So we're in First Kings 18. We're going to look at what we're the way we're going to look at it is we're just going to look at Elijah. I mean, we're looking at the whole story, what happens. But what we're going to notice by way of particular points is distinctions of a true prophet. Distinctions of a true prophet. Um, are the people that call themselves prophets nowadays? Yeah. And usually if they are actually calling themselves in this day and age a prophet, pretty much it's false. Now, there's a, in a sense, some people can do the work of a prophet in the sense of proclaiming truth or proclaiming existing truth. But I don't think the actual gift is, in a, is active today like it was in the Old Testament and through the first century. But we can also apply this thing of distinctions of a true prophet. Again, we're going to see Elijah compared to the prophets of Baal. We can see that we can relate with him as a, a voice for God, you know. And uh, voices for God should be distinct from the voices of uh, the world and the voices of maybe the false religions and false messengers and false prophets. I don't have a, I don't have a, I meant to bring it. There was this card. I get, have you ever gotten something in the mail like from, or maybe on your car and it said, Prophet so-and-so is going to be showing up at Tabernacle Pentecostal Church and he's going to have a healing service or a prophecy service. Anybody ever seen crazy stuff like that to that effect? Anything like that? No? Okay. Well, I got one and it, and it shows this guy and he's like, like this. And, and, and he's got, you know, his look, he's got a beard, nothing is wrong with beard. I mean, maybe he's trying to copy Elijah, but it's, and he's like this and, and, and it's like, and he's the prophet who predicted coronavirus and it shows some documentation go to this website show how he predicted coronavirus and he predicted the that he predicted that the lord was going to show up on such and such day in washington dc and he did and, and and you're like what and it goes go to this website and basically what it was is that you know there was some big storm that came on this one day and he said that's when the lord showed up you know and it was like just kind of uh you know trying to say he's trying to take credit for things that have happened Saying and saying, see, I'm a prophet. I predicted the coronavirus, or I'm a prophet. I predicted the Lord would show up when actually just a storm came through, and you know it was kind of like a regular storm that happens during that time. And sometimes people will say things, and uh, maybe like Joseph Smith, who say they say the Mormons really say, well, Joseph Smith predicted the Civil War in the 1800s, and and if you go back and look at what he actually said, it was kind of like a lot of people kind of felt the rumbling of it happening. It's kind of like you see the, you kind of see the sun rising at night, and you think, the sun is going to rise. I just want everybody to know the sun's going to rise. And it comes up, and you're like, see, told you. Told you sun rose. Well, I mean, we kind of know that, you know. And so some of these are obvious. And then other times people make prophecies, and they're false. And when they do that, you're done. Because God's true prophet is right 100% of the time. Now, the prophet, the literal prophet is right 100% of the time when he says, thus saith the Lord. And if he doesn't, and if he's wrong, then you say, well, you're false. We're going to dismiss you here. <laughs> so anyways, we're going to relate with Elijah in the sense of a messenger. We call him a true prophet because he is. But for us, it's like, well, how does that relate with me? More on the, on the level of just being God's messenger. All right, let's read some Bible here. And I'm actually, we're not going to tackle the whole chapter. We're going to look at the moment when he's confronting Elijah and the prophets of Baal. So follow me with some scriptures here. 1 Kings 18. We'll look at verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to skip forward some. It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. 
And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was sore famine in the land. We'll stop right there. So what's happening? Previous to this, what happened with Elijah? He showed up at Ahab's, right? And he says in chapter 17, thus saith the Lord, or he says, there's not going to be rain these, these days, these years, except according to my word. And he went out and left. And then we noticed last week that uh, in ch- from chapter 17 that his life was a demonstration of God. And God's a confronting God, a, 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 a providing God, and a life-giving God. So, so previous to this, this would be about three and a half years from this chapter, chapter 17, verse 1, to chapter 18, verse 1, is about three and a half years. He had told Ahab, there's not going to be rain except according to my word. Now he shows back up at Ahab, or he, God's telling him, go show up to Ahab. Go see Ahab again and, and, and confront him, and pretty soon there's going to be rain again. What's happened is there's Israel's following what? False gods. Elijah is the true prophet. The other ones are hiding. Others have been killed. And Elijah is wanting them to follow the true God. So Elijah had told them, God's turning the faucet off because of your wickedness. And it's not going to come back on until I tell you. And so that's what he prayed for. Elijah prayed for God to do it. And he prayed for God to start it. Now God's saying, go back over there. Chapter 18, go show up and tell him and show himself to, you show yourself to Ahab, I will send rain upon the earth. Now what's happening here is three and a half years are passing, and all the, you can kind of see a crowd here, all the crowd of Baal worshipers and, and a lot of Israel that was following Baal, what could they do if there's no rain? They apparently weren't praying to the Lord. They could pray to Baal, the God of nature, the God of fertility, he's a false god, but there was nothing happening. He was powerless. The false god, here's the point, false god, all their little sorcery and their witchcraft and whatever, all that's garbage, had no power to give them rain. It was like God says, I'm going to turn it off when I want to, and I will turn it on when I want to. And you're not going to turn it back on when you want to. And you're not going to turn it off. I will. And my prophet's going to show you that. So now he's going to show up at Ahab's, and, and it says in chapter 18, we're not, there's, a, there's a kind of a transition thing where he meets with one of Ahab's servants. We're not gonna, that's a unique story. We're not going to get into that. But notice chapter 18, verse 16. So Ahab, he met Obadiah earlier. Obadiah, the Ahab's servant, went to meet Ahab and told him. He told him what? He told him that he saw Elijah. So Ahab now is going to meet Elijah. So Elijah is going to meet Ahab, and Ahab's coming to meet Elijah. All right? This is the two opposites, right? Wicked Ahab. And Elijah, they're coming to meet. And so what we're going to notice as we proceed here is we're going to notice some distinctions of a true prophet. I have 10. We're going to look at five tonight. All right. First thing we see is that a true prophet confronts, as we looked at last week, he confronts even a king. He confronts the king. It says, go show thyself to Ahab. He says, chapter 18, verse 2, Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab. How many of us don't like confrontation? Come on. Yeah, it's not fun. Oh, I got to confront this guy. You know, I don't like it. I mean, spirit, church discipline involves some confrontation. I don't like it, but I got to do it. I don't like confronting even with my own family certain things or, or, or at work, but you, it's necessary, isn't it? 
It's necessary to bring the truth to bear to somebody, even though you know they might cringe or yell back at you or whatever. It's just necessary. And, and we need to be confronted, right? I need to be confronted about things that might be necessary to, to approach me on. But here is a true prophet, number one, confronts kings. A true prophet confronts kings. All right? Ahab, or uh, Elijah shows up in Ahab's face. Let's just pause a minute. Don't we wish and um, pray, and wouldn't we, in all honesty, like to see that we would have pastors and Bible teachers in this country who are willing to call out our leaders, right? You can do it in a balanced way, like, hey, I'm praying for your good. I want what's best for you. But what you're doing right here is godless, you know, things like that. You know, we need that, and we need preachers and, and, and pastors that will do that. I need to be one of them. I'm only, I feel like a pipsqueak, you know, shooting a BB gun at a battleship, but you got to still do something. But we need that, right? There was, um, uh, I think I told this story, long story short, Clarence Sexton, the pastor of Temple Baptist Church in Powell, Tennessee, he started Crown College. Donald Trump's brother contacted him, uh, Robert Trump, and he had been listening to their messages during kind of the COVID year because they were lived in New York. He'd been listening online to Clarence Sexton's messages and everything. He had radio station and all this other stuff, and he called him. He says, we, my wife and I, Mary, I think it's Mary, we've been listening to your messages and watching, and, and they basically made a profession of faith. And um, not too long after that, he got sick, and he ended up dying, I think, at the end of the 2020. And um, he, he was even talking to, he called Pastor Sexton again and talked to him on the phone when he was in the hospital. And he said, more than I want my brother, referring to the Donald, uh, to be president, I want to see revival for this country. That's what that guy said. That's what Robert Trump said. That was the last words he said to Pastor Sexton. And then he goes, oh, I got to go, because his brother was actually in the hospital at the time. I got to go. And that, the, that was like the last time they talked, hung up. And then um, he died. He had died there. I can't remember what he died of. And then the, Robert Trump's wife, again, I can't, it might have been Mary, I can't remember her name. She called Pastor Sexton and says, hey, we would love for you to have, um, to conduct his memorial service. And the president's going to have it at the White House. So President Trump, brother, that year, you remember how it was in New York, you, you can only have like 30 or 50 people, whatever, and so President Trump said, forget it, we're going to do it all at the White House, and the occupancy was up to him, right? <laughs> That's kind of how he was. So they had, I don't know, two or 300, and so they had a memorial service, I think, the, November or something of that year, and they, the president's friends, much of the president's staff, which includes a lot of unbelievers, Jews, etc., they all came to this memorial service. Uh, Robert Trump's or wife, Donald Trump's sister-in-law was there. The president was there. His wife was there. Clarence Sexton was invited to conduct the service. He, he's independent Baptist. He's got a larger church, independent Baptist. kind of like us. He came in. He, they said, what would you do? He said, I did like any other service. I just preached the gospel and admonished people to be saved, you know, and, and said some, you know, appropriate things for a memorial service and, and everything like that. And I was encouraged to hear that. Uh, because it's like, I want to hear people in authority be confronted with truth, right? Don't you? I want that. And it's not to, because I want to pester them. It's because I know what's best. Right. 
And I, I remember even uh, Charles Stanley one time, I think Fox News was interviewing. He's a very old Southern Baptist pastor from Georgia. He was on the news. This was when Barack Obama was president. And I just remember him, you know, he just, they, they said something to him. Maybe it was when he won the second term, his second term. And uh, I think it was Fox News or somebody said, so, you know, uh, Pastor Stanley, Dr. Stanley, what, do you, what would you like to tell the president? And he says, I just would like to tell him that he should humble himself and get flat on his face on his knees and ask for God's vision for this country. You know, and just little things like that. I'm like, yes, I'd like to hear that. Because there are, they do affect us, right? And we want to have voices of truth encourage them. And, and wise, wise presidents actually have, <laughs> they will have Bible preachers behind the scenes advising them, you know. But you don't want them to have the prophets of Baal type, the people that are paid, the paid prophets that are already going to say the good things. So here he confronts kings. We need to be willing to confront people. We're, never, we're rarely probably ever going to be able to confront some giant, giant in authority. But we, gotta, we have to confront things when there's a problem, when there's cancer in the organization, when there's sin in the camp. Or there's some, we have to be able to properly do it. All right, so number two, we see that, he, that he's commonly blamed. So here we go. Ahab, Elijah's, God says, Elijah, go meet Ahab. We're going to turn the water back on. So he goes to meet Ahab. And Ahab finds out from one of his servants Elijah's here. Well, I'm going to go meet him. And so Ahab goes to meet, and they meet, and, he, and uh, uh, he's, a con, he's, con, he's willing to confront kings. And this is part of the confront, con, confronting right here, is that he gets blamed. He's commonly blamed. Notice what the first words are, verse 17. Ahab shows up, sees Elijah, and Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? You're the one messing everything up. <laughs> Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Good question. Now, who, t- who prayed for the rain to turn off? Huh? Elijah, God, James says he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it, he prayed that. And that was a biblical prayer. When your country's wicked, according to God's word, he's going to shut the faucet off till you repent. So he was praying towards God's word. God shut down the rain. And so Ahab says, you're the one causing all my problems here. You're the troublemaker. That's common. Blame the Christians. That's coming, by the way. Blame the preachers. Blame the Christians for society's problems. It's deeper than that. Remember that right now. People right now are, think, are they're trying to, Christians are the problem. Christians are the resistance against this agenda we have. Christians are causing all this mess. And it's arising. But remember, it won't be the first time. And just be like, we're just going to have to be Elijah through this thing. What's the real issue? Yes, he prayed for the rain to shut off. But the real issue is what he says back to him, verse 18. Elijah answered and says, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, your, your, your predecessors, in that what? Ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. You triggered this mess. So, Ahab, in particular, he, he, he worked very wickedly. But even his, his, uh, his forefathers, they began to forsake the Lord, and they forsook the Lord, forsook the Lord. He did it in a very punctuated way, taking on a wicked woman as a wife, funding Baalism in the whole country, and God had to do something, right? God had to. If God didn't do anything, we'd say, is there a God, or is this a joke? God had to, by his word, start spanking them. So he shuts off the water. He causes a drought. 
And so what does he do? It's your fault, preacher. Nope. It's sin. It's the fault of our sin choices. Now, that's the same way. It's, I feel like there's a shadowing of the United States with some of this stuff. I, I'm at the point where like, something's going to have to happen here. And maybe it already is in a way. I mean, some of our social problems and shootings and earthquakes and fires and landslides, and all this, you're going, Whoa. and it doesn't surprise me in some way. A nation that forsakes the Lord, the Bible says all the nations that forsake the Lord will be turned into hell, paraphrasing. But he says, if my people, we can be a part in, in uh, seeing healing and our repentance and seeing some revival. But the idea is that we can't, our country, let's apply it to us personally and as a country, we can't continue sinning and sinning and sinning and going down the spiral of Romans 1, deviancy, and expect no consequence, right? God has to do something to, to spank us. I don't want it, but the only way to stem it is to say, repent. But what's going to happen is people are going to say, you, you, this way, you preachers, you Christians, you're the fault, and they'll be blamed. It won't be the first time. And you know what they said about Paul in Acts? When Paul, towards the end of the book of Acts, they brought Paul. They said, he's a pestilent fella, a ringleader of the Jew, a ringleader of the Nazarenes. He's a pestilent fella. And they were exaggerating. You know what they said about Jesus in, in Luke 23, 5? He stirreth up the people. He's going throughout all Judea and uh, Galilee teaching. and He's just messing everything up. Yeah, he was. He was disrupting their empty traditions. It says of, um, what does it say in Hebrews 13, 13, that we need to let us go forth therefore unto him outside the camp bearing his reproach. Sometimes we are going to be falsely blamed. Now, I don't want to be, you've heard me say this, we don't want to be uh, a lawbreaker, a troublemaker in the sense of truly, um, what does it say, if any man suffer as a Christian, but if you suffer as an evildoer or wrong, in literally wrongdoing and immoral things, you don't want to do that. But if we're just carrying out normal Christianity and all of a sudden it becomes irritating, that's just how it's going to be. It'll be like Elijah. Elijah saying, no, you have. So they're commonly blamed. Remember, two messengers confront kings. Number two, they're commonly blamed. We'll do three more points for tonight. And number four, we're gonna, or number, number three, we see that they communicate the plain truth of the day. Communicate the plain truth of the day. Again, what does he say? He says, I have not sinned. This is verse 18 again. I, pardon me, I have not troubled Israel, but thou in thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Baal. That is the absolute plain truth. Do you ever, remember we said this last time, you know, the, the, the book about the king, the king that wore no clothes, and it goes through the book about this, everybody applauds the king, isn't he wonderful? And, and he never, he didn't really wear clothes. Now, it, it, was, it was like, and then someone, a kid says, the king's not wearing any clothes. And everybody's like, how could you say that? You know, but he's not. And it's kind of like that. Sometimes nobody wants to point out the gigantic elephant in the room. Nobody sometimes wants to point out the fact that, oh, yeah, we're glad that we have a, we're glad that we have a, um, you know, a president. And, and, and he's dignified. He's very presidential. Yeah, but he's authorizing such godlessness. Or, or even things, even things related to, even things related to some of our athletes and celebrities. We've got to be honest. I enjoy watching sports, and I enjoy, you know, a few things that maybe, by way of entertainment, we've got to be honest, is this person a godless person, leaving me a bad example for my kids? I mean, and so sometimes we've got to be honest and, and uh, 
communicate the plain truth for the day. The Bible says, to, holding forth the word of life. The Bible says, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove. That means expose, reprove, rebuke, and then exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but shall after their lusts, heap to themselves teachers. I'm going to get my own preachers that I want to hear. Teachers having itching ears. Just, just say right there. Scratch right there. Say this. And they shall be turned away from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. That's the prediction. So Paul says, in the meantime, still preach the word. All right? And so uh, he, true messengers communicate the plain truth. So that's what he does. Um, Ahab comes to Elijah. Elijah comes to Ahab. <laughs> Elijah has to just talk right to him. Even though he's a king, he gets blamed. He continues to communicate the plain truth. And then number four, he calls people to a decision. So now verse 19, let's look at the setup here. Elijah is saying to, Elijah, uh, to Ahab, Now therefore send and gather to me, listen to this setup here, all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of the grove 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Now, if you were to look at a, I don't have a map, but if you had a map of Israel, it'd be kind of like a little bit north and probably uh, a little bit north and then west on their coast. There's a, if you follow the coastline of Israel, it goes like this, and there's a little part that jets out and then comes back in like that, almost a cape, not quite. Well, that part that jets out is Mount Carmel. And as you go southeast of there, that's the... Kindred Valley, I think it is, where the Battle of Armageddon will be. It's right up there. It's not far from the coast, Mount Carmel. And so Elijah says to Ahab, you know what? Go ahead and round up all the Baal preachers, the prophets of Baal, the other ones that are uh, in the soft clothing, eating nice um, stuff right at Jezebel's table. Just go ahead and get all 400, get all 400 450, bring them all together. It's rain. It hasn't rained. Maybe they can pray for rain. And I'll pray for rain. That's what he says. And so he says, gather them up. So verse 20, Ahab get, get sent all the children of Israel unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came. Now here's, where, here's the deal. I love this. This guy, I like this guy. He's all by himself pretty much most of the time. He shows up and he comes out into the crowd. He came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. I, wouldn't you have loved to have been there that day? Huh? I mean, you have a big crowd of Israelis. You have all the nice, groomed, well-fed, well-paid, false prophets there on site. And Elijah shows up, the hairy man with the leather girdle, shows up and says, How long are you going to stay caught in the middle? Pick a side. If God is the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. What he's saying is, how come Baal hasn't answered the prayer? How come there's no rain? And then after all this, why don't you see who which one does and follow him? You know, that's what he's saying. Man, that would have been so cool to see that. He's calling them to a decision, but they wouldn't make it. Mm, no, no, no. I'll see how this turns out first. See how this ball game ends. They'd answered him not a word. He calls them to a decision. You know, people need to be encouraged to a decision. There's this art to it where you don't, you don't want to whip people and force people against their will to say something, to do something. But at the same time, there needs to be a sincere compelling. You know, after you show the gospel, 
What hinders you from trusting Christ? After you've explained something, is there something that hinders you from doing this? You know, here uh, Elijah shows up and says, pick a side. Pick a side. Come on. Um, we are very, we Americans, we, 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 we're very kind of indecisive. We like to see all the choices and just wait. And hmm, hmm, Look how long it takes us to order food. You know, <laughs> you know, we're so fussy. And so he's like, pick something. Pick a side here. Um, the Bible said, you remember what Joshua said? When he was there towards the end of his life? He says, choose you this day whom you will serve, the gods over on the other side of the, the river there or the Lord, or even the false gods that are among us here. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to follow the Lord. Uh, Peter had that happen in Acts 2. Peter was preaching, not to, of course, this scenario, but Peter was preaching to a lot of Jews that were from all around the world. He preached the gospel, and they are convicted. And they said, what shall we do? And he said, Repent. Be baptized. Believe. Be baptized and follow, follow on to follow the Lord here. He's calling them to a decision. It's good for somebody to just give you a little nudge, right? I, I feel like I'm not always as good at that, but I know it needs to be done where, hey, um, why won't you be baptized? Hey, why won't you, you know, start a prayer life? Everybody needs a little nudge, don't they? Right? I don't like this, <laughs> right? I don't like the arm twisting, but you need a little nudge. That's what this preacher, this prophet does. Number five, last point. And you can already see this is true. We see, last of all, that a true messenger comprises a minority among the religious voices. This guy comprises, he makes up the minority among mass of, another, of other voices. So it's one on how many? By way of the other preachers. One on, huh? What's that? One versus 850. You had 400 at the Grove. I don't know what they were. Maybe extra soft. 450 uh, prophets. 450 prophets of Baal. Then 400 from the Groves. Maybe they, maybe they t tended to her fruit trees. I don't know, Jay's but Whatever. But you had all these guys. 850 versus one. And the point was, is Elijah's going to show Israel, who knows God, they knew of him in their history. He's going to say, he's going to show that it doesn't matter if they have a million of them. If they're praying to a false God, it's empty. But if you all one person prays, by the way, a man of like passions, not, no Superman, prays to the true God, it's effective. Amen? And that's, a, so he's in the minority here. So let's look at some of his words and we'll try to wind this down a little bit. Elijah, verse 22, said unto the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now, there were some hiding, but he was the only one that stepped out. That is Elijah. I only remain. I'm the only one here. There were some hiding in caves. Okay. And there were some that were dead too. So he says, I only remain, verse 23. Now, therefore, give us two bullocks. Let them, therefore, give us two bullocks. And let them choose one of the bullocks for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire thereon and, or under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the Lord and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So what does he say again? Verse, let them, verse 23, therefore give us two bullocks. So 
Here's one on eight. There's 450 in particular. You guys go pick out the, the bullocks. Go pick out the big fat uh, uh, um, uh, cattle here and bring them. And you set them up, chop them up, set them on wood, have kind of a barbecue that's just not lit yet. And I'll do the same. Set on there. And we're just going to let each of us call on our God to accept the sacrifice. And I'll call on mine. And what does he say again? Verse 24, call you on the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord. That was Jehovah, Yahweh. And the God, the Elohim, that answereth by fire, let him be Elohim, God. And all the people said, ah, it is well spoken. That's a good deal. So we'll do this. Whoever actually responds to this thing, that's the real one. Your side and our side. And um, Elijah, verse 25, Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first. For here are many. And call in the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it gets uglier. You know the rest of the story, but we're going to wind it down. So they have their... It's all cut up, the bullock and the fire, or the, the wood, no fire. And oh, Baal, here is over there jumping on it. They're, they're trying to uh, provoke their false god by, by this, by this uh, really a vain repetition. Pretty soon they're cutting themselves. Oh, why well, did get your attention? Isn't that amazing? People, you feel bad. Have you ever seen that? People cutting themselves. To, there's a strange demonic thing about that. We, and that burdens my heart. I've seen people that have gone through that, but they're trying to get the attention by violence to themselves. And it doesn't work. We'll see later. And then, of course, you know the story when eventually we'll preach it next week. But when Elijah does it, it's awesome. And so many things we're going to look at, but one of the things, he just soaks it and soaks it and soaks it and soaks it with water, which was crazy. Why? Water was precious. They're probably going, what's he doing with all that water? We need that water. He's soaking it, soaking it, soaking it, soaking it. Not to pray for more rain, but to pray for fire. And God just, like that. Isn't that, that was, that's, that was awesome. We'll see that. You already know it, but we'll see it next week. And so what is the, the issue is he's a minority here. It's one on 450 prophets of Baal, and the other one's from the grove here, 850. And Again, it doesn't really matter if they had a million. If it's false, it's false. And the same thing for us today. we got to remember something. And I'm not trying to say, I don't want you to get the impression, like, I hope we just always stay, like, tiny and minuscule and just hiding in a corner. And, like, we're the remnant. We're the only good. I don't want, I'm not like that. I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying to be when people, we want to grow a congregation and split it and grow another one somewhere. And we want to be all that. But in the bigger picture over culture, it tends to be the minority, right? There's been some times in America where Christianity had a real strong arm, but it's short-lived. We're usually the minority. It's usually the minority. Jesus predicted it, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He says, enter ye in at the straight gate. It means a tight one. For broad is the way, 
that leads to destruction. And many there be that fight it, but straight is the gate. And narrow is the way that leads unto life. And few there be that find it. Come in, sister. Few there be that find it, Jesus said. So Jesus said, as far as like the, the way of salvation, he says it's small and not that many people are getting in there. But the, 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 the Broadway is wide open. We'll take every religion. Come on in here. Every way, the all paths lead to the same place. It's just a big, gigantic highway just going that way in the same direction, even though there's fire and smoke coming up and it's hell. No, it's the, the, Jesus says that goes to destruction. A small, narrow way goes to life. That's the words of Jesus. And uh, we say, no, no, we, we don't that means we got to help people realize, look, that the, the best things in life sometimes are, you know, are overlooked, and salvation is. The Bible says, 2 Peter 2, 2, by reason of whom the way, many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. So I don't relish this fact, but it is just a fact over the course of history that true messengers are typically in the minority. It's just a fact. I don't always wish... It was true, but it's just a fact. And so here it is, Elijah confronting, getting uh, commonly blamed, but communicating the truth. And, uh, uh, you know, this is, this is something that was like, I want to be an Elijah for my, in my realm of influence. Let me read this to you. We'll close with this. This is encouraging to me. Um, the effectiveness of this Christian, of this Christian group versus the futility of this other group. There was a lit girl. This is about a girl who's demon-possessed, and she could not get delivered in spite of these other religions trying to help her. Okay, so this is from Central Asia. This is a report from a mission letter from another group. In Central Asia, there's some other um, Islamic countries it's one of the, like Kazakhstan, one of the Stan countries there. Some of them are under, so, under Russian influence. But this man wrote that this organization to say last week that his niece, this pastor, his name's Philip, his niece was at the lowest point in her life. She had been dabbling in the occult. That would be like Ouija board type stuff, witchcraft, wizardry. She had been messing around with that stuff. And so this pastor who has a niece found out that his niece was demon-possessed. They're in Muslim territory. The, the niece's mother took her to the village mullah, which is an Islamic preacher, to have the mullah cast out the demon. The mullah took their money for that service, but could not do it and failed to help. In fear, he told them to just leave. I mean, he got afraid. He got paid to take care of this demon. And it frightened him. And he says, you just get out of here. Next, her mother took the girl to a witch who also could not give relief from, from the control of this demon. So then, her cousin advised them, this family, part of another family member, advised them to go to Philip, the uncle to the niece, whose God answers his prayers. Did you hear that? Muslims, they can't get this girl demon exercise. It's come out. They said, go to, past, go to Philip, the, our, our relative, in this case, uncle to the niece. 
His God answers their prayers. Isn't that good? Just that thought right there. What a testimony. And they did. They went to Philip, Pastor Philip. Pastor Philip had another pastor with him. This, these names are, have been altered to, for their safety. Pastor River was this other pastor. They prayed over this girl when she came. I'm, it doesn't say, but I, maybe they even fasted. Asking that God would open her eyes spiritually and that she would first trust Christ as Savior. When they shared the gospel message with her, she dropped to her knees and cried out, I need freedom. Isn't that an interesting thought? That's how it is being with, under the influence of demons. They just bind you. I need freedom. She dropped her knees, cried out, I need freedom. And then she called on Jesus to save her. She confessed her sins. She placed her faith in Christ. She was set free. And then it goes on to follow up with her. She had began to attend some Christian services in that area and, and started reading the Scripture. I, I like that just to see. I'm like, man, I've never. Uh, I haven't been to that big of a ball game. But if we're going to be honest with our faith, that's the place to go is, is Christians praying if you even have it to that degree of a demon possession. Amen? Where else? Amen? The difference between the true God and every other God. This, a true God delivers, even if it's, he seems like his followers are in the minority. What matters is, is he true? And let's be, again, like Elijah's life was a living example of who God really is. And may we be that today, too.